Okay, yeah, you started the recording. All right, all right, all right. Hello, hello. <laughs> hey, y'all, what's up? We back in this joint. And we are going to be talking about tech. Because we are both in tech. We're both, you know, developers. I'm a software developer. What is your title? <laughs> I, I am in the <laughs> developer field, yes. Okay. So we are both in tech, and we both had totally different journeys getting into tech. And today we're going to talk about that journey. We're going to talk about some challenges and just give y'all a little bit more background about our tech experience. Let go. So, just March. Just March. Tell us about your experience. <laughs> My journey? Well, it's an exciting journey, I, I think. It's exciting to me just because I've seen the ups and downs. So, as far as tech, I sort of tiptoed and found my way into it because, well, not so much tech, but specifically software development. That is a passion of mine. So I discovered software development actually while I was talking to a contractor. Uh, He was a contractor for Boeing. And I remember asking about different, uh, uh, why certain Things wasn't working right, these different devices. And he said, well, the software needs to be improved. And so I said, so if the software was better, these devices wouldn't be replaced as often as they would be. He said, that's correct because it's burning out the hardware. And so in my mind, it's like, ding, 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 software development. That's what I want to do because Mm -hmm. I want to work smarter and not harder. So that just that that was the genesis of, of my path. And so I went to different schools and I got a bachelor's in information systems. But I explicitly honed in on software development. I took as many programming classes as I as I took as I could. Then I got an internship. All I wanted to do was software development. That's I made it clear. This is all I want to do. I want to get into software development. And my path was laid for that. And so I got my first job in software development and I just loved it. The the thing about software development to me is the fact that you can create something out of nothing when you are coding something. And and so let me back up a little bit. The languages I learned, I started off learning C++ and then I learned Visual Basic 6.0. And then I learned C-sharp. And C-sharp is actually what I work with today. And then I eventually picked up JavaScript. And I started learning Java, but I never really honed in on on Java. I never really had the opportunity to hone in on that after learning it. So, And this is a common thing. All developers know this. No matter how many languages you learn, if you don't use it, you lose it. That's just it. (laughs) (laughs) D-Strong definitely knows that any developer, you know, they may have learned five, six, seven different languages, but if you're not using it every day, you start losing those different uh, nuances of how to develop it. Not saying you lose it completely, but you you get rusty and it takes Mm -hmm. a little bit to get back into it. Anyway, got my, my first job in it and I loved it. 
the things I, I would think of something and then I would bring it to life through code. Yeah. And it was that creativity, that 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 avenue to create something that only existed in my mind initially was the adrenaline rush for me. And it's very much like cooking. That's why I like this so much. I and I have a passion for cooking. I'm not a chef. I wouldn't mind being a chef, but I'm not going to pay for the school for that. So somebody needs to fund that. I've, I have I have a lot of education and I have funded that. And so I don't want to fund any more education. <laughs> uh, but is going back to the, the passion of, of, of the software development, I really enjoy the creativity of it, the way that I can just, everyone has their different coding style. And this is the common among software developers. Someone else is looking at your code. They start changing the indentations and they, just the way they structure their code and it will sort of irritate the original developer. if They're looking at it like, Ooh, you're messing up my code and yeah. we may let them do it. But once they get up and leave, we start changing things back <laughs> <laughs> to how we have it originally structured. And that's just, you know, that's just a developer's thing. I put comments in my code and I even put my name in my code. I've got old code from years ago. My name is in there. You know who wrote it. Okay. I put the date on there. Especially if it was something really good, I'm like, oh, this is a really good one. They need to know. The, <laughs> Yo, the newbies I, that look at this need to know where this came from. Let me tell you, when I first started coding, I was like, what's going to be my thing? Even in the beginning, I was like, I have to have a thing. I have to have a signature. So mm-hmm. I would embed my initials in the code somehow. Oh, that's good. Yes. I've seen that. <laughs> so I would do that. And that was my thing. We have totally different experiences on how we got into the program. My yes, how did you get in? So my background, I'm going to bring it all the way back. I got into it because my brother introduced it to me. He basically was like, hey, does this course that they're offering at this college, I think you'll be good at it. You like graphic design. You like computers. You should take it. And I was like, what is it? He was like, this webmaster program. He was like, you want to take it? And you know, I help pay for it. I pay for it. I was like, all right, let's go. I took it. I fell in love with it because it kind of married the two things that I do. I'm a very creative person. I'm a very visual person. So like you said, being able to have an idea and bringing that idea to light through a website, mm-hmm. through, a, you know, through some piece of code, some software, that was everything for me. It was like, yo, look what I did. So my background on programming languages, I started out with C++ as well, because that's the programming language that most universities give you to weed you out. Mm-hmm. It's not super easy, and you have to be pretty smart to, to kind of follow along, especially yeah. coming from no background in software development. So right. I started out with C++. Of course, you have to do the HTML, CSS, do all that to get a web page looking good. PHP was my first backend language and JavaScript. So that's kind of where I started. Now I work in React, I work in a lot of other front end languages like Vue. I did a little Laravel that goes hand in hand with PHP. But I always knew that I was going to be a front end developer. I knew I did not want to work in backend. I avoided that like the play. I knew that I needed it. I understood the importance of it. 
And it was so many things that I built. I was like, man, I need a database. I need somewhere to store this information. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess somebody else will have to do it because this, <laughs> <laughs> this is my lane, right? And that's kind of right. how I got introduced to WordPress. And a lot of people, you know, nowadays, a lot of people want, want, want on WordPress. But a lot of reasons that it became popular was because it had a built-in database that stored information without a programmer having to build it up. It was mm-hmm. a CMS. Mm-hmm. And you can make the front end, the, the front-facing site look beautiful, do what you want it to do, and still have that back-end that's going to store the customer data and your e-commerce information and handle that processing and all of that stuff without actually having to touch it. Mm-hmm. Using plugins and widgets and things like that. So once I really got really serious about it, because even though I went to school and got my certification as a web developer or web, or webmaster, I self-taught myself a whole lot of it. Mm-hmm. JavaScript, React. I literally was like, you know what? Even though my background is in marketing and that's what I graduated from college with, degree of BS in marketing. Mm-hmm. I kind of was going back and forth the whole time. I was like, I know that my day job is a marketing consultant, but Mm -hmm. I love programming. And so even when I had to hire programmers to work on some of the more extensive web projects we had, I was standing over their shoulder like, yo, Mm -hmm. hey, no, you need to do this like this. You know, and I'm Mm -hmm. critiquing them. I'm like, why am I doing this? I could do it myself. I was like, you know what? I'm going against the grain. Let's just do what I love and run with it. So mm-hmm. I got back into web development full time. I started doing a lot of JavaScript, getting my fundamentals down, working really hard with design patterns and stuff like that. Understand that because once you understand that, you can do anything. Like you yeah. understand, understand coding and programming and understanding other people's code. Because the name of the game is being able to read somebody else's code. Because yeah. most projects, you're not going to be building a website or application from scratch. You're going into old code mm-hmm. and maintaining that code and fixing yep. it, fixing issues or adding on different features or whatever. Mm-hmm. The only time in my experience that I have created websites for my like from scratch is when I did freelance mm-hmm. or personal projects. And mm-hmm. I do a lot of those because, like you said, if you don't use it, you will lose it. So I had to do a lot of those just to stay on top of it. Because yeah. in software development, things change expeditiously. Yeah, every day. You're, if you, if the moment you think you're an expert, you're already five to 10 years behind. Yeah. That's, that's just what it is. So many new things come out. It seems like every second is like, gosh, you know, it's, it, it's you're the best, the best way to be if you're going to be in technology, you know, whatever the discipline is within technology, you want to be a jack of all trades, but a, a master of none. Because yeah. it makes no sense to be an expert on this one language. Like you just know all C sharp everything when they've got Ruby, Ruby on Rails. Oh, yeah. and, you, and they've improved on PHP. Then they've improved yeah. on JavaScript. They on they on uh, framework, whatever, you know, yeah. it's it, Perl, Perl, you know, you know, it's just so many things. People are making up languages and creating exactly. new languages. <laughs> and it's like, you know, and some, some, depending on the type of industry that you're in and what company you're a part of, you know, they want to jump on the latest and greatest. Like right oh, yeah. now, you know, dealing with 
Microsoft, anything, it's APIs, RESTful APIs. Yeah. I remember when REST came out and then they switched to SOAP Web Service, WCF and SOAP Web Services. And now they've, they've come full circle back to APIs with Post and yeah. Git. And I'm thinking like, okay, I thought that was insecure, but now it's secure because people have improved on it. So, you yeah. know, it's, it's a wave, it, whatever the big wave is, but behind any application, doesn't matter big or small, the lifeblood of it is the data. And that's, that, that's the heart, that's the gold. When you have data, you have everything. You could do, you can manipulate that data, you can massage it to get whatever reports, whatever information, who looks at what, when, where, why, and how, and you create different, you look at, looking at those trends, you create new marketing ideas off of it, you can stand yeah. up new websites off of it. You can guide your audience a different way, to, or you can use it to gain new people. It's, you know, the data is everything. It doesn't matter what it is. Even this, you know, podcast, the platforms that we put this out on is data. We're, yeah. you know, we're gaining, we're gathering this data to know how to better ourselves in the future with this podcast. It's all technology, it's all data. And better serve our audience as well. Yeah. You know, we take yeah. this data Absolutely. in, we know, we see what feedback we're getting, what's working, what's not working. And working in marketing, marketing is a really, really difficult field to be in because there's so many avenues to it. But at the end of the day, it's all data. You know, you're yeah. talking about social media marketing, that's all data. Digital, yeah. I was a digital developer for some time. That's all data. It's all about taking some data, understanding how to manipulate it and use it and benefit from it. That's why most companies, you think about Facebook. Facebook is not a social media platform. <laughs> it's a data mining center. Yes, Google yes. is a data mining center. You know, that's what they do. All about data. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about Absolutely. data. Absolutely. And here's the thing about me. I'm definitely, I'm very much a back-end developer. I, I call myself trying my hand at, you know, front-end web development. And I'm, you know, and, and, and I love it. People that are able to do CSS designs and, and all of that, I love it because you, you create such beautiful things. And I love to see it. I'm like, yes, and it draws me in like, oh, pretty shiny things. Oh, it's got lace all on the border and it, it you know. I'm drawing in. It's the aesthetics. But I hate dealing with it. That's why I don't do it now. <laughs> and I have no interest. And I mean, I tell you, when I tried to, I call myself doing this website for someone, bless her heart, because I told her I was going to do it for free. There was a reason why I said I was going to do it for free, because I didn't know what I was doing. And I struggled because I'm just like, I just, I did not have the passion for it. I did not want to do it. And I was struggling trying to figure out how to get this to work with this version of a browser and this browser and that browser. Like it looked good in Internet Explorer, but now I got to make it look good in Safari and Chrome. Being a web developer, front end developer, web designer, all of those, I lump all of y'all together because it's all front end aesthetics. It's not easy. People think, oh, just slap it up. No, it's not easy. Because now there's so many different mediums. It's more than just looking at, you know, on a computer screen, a desktop. It's, okay, does this look good on the phone? Does this look good yeah. on this tablet? Does it look good on the iPhone? Does it look good on Samsung versus LG and all these different? 
And just look at good in these different browsers. Oh, well, new version of Internet Explorer came out. Now they've got Edge. Does it look good there? You know, yeah. and a, a web developer needs to test all of that. <laughs> you know, you have to. And, and, and it really and it messes with the CSS in the background. A lot of people don't understand that. That, you know, it's, it's a lot of testing that goes with that and launching it in different browsers. So it looks good across all platforms because the customer that's paying for it has the expectation that this will look good across all platforms. That's, that's the assumption. And that goes towards the price. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the customer because, like I said, I did freelance for a very long time. And working one-on-one with customers or even with just small corporations, mid-sized corporations, you come across a lot of different customers. Mm-hmm. And the best kind of customer is the type of customer who understands what goes into what you're doing. But mm-hmm. you also have to, and I've had to do this throughout my entire career, educate my customers on what they're asking for. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we had this conversation a long time ago and people would say stuff like, oh, I just wanted to pop. And I would say, not out loud to my customer, but to myself, what the does that mean? Mm-hmm. Because and you know what that mean? Well, I wanted to pop. And as a front-end developer, that can mean a billion different things. Mm-hmm. That depends on your personal style. Or, and sometimes you have to try to force yourself not to do what you're comfortable with as a developer and do what's right for this project. Because I was spitting out the same template Custom typically now for the same custom because this is my style. Oh, I like the buttons to look like this. I want to fire pixel radius on all my buttons, corners, and all this other. And I want this color scheme because I like blue. So you're going to like blue too. You know, but you have to understand that like words matter in life, colors matter in design. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They both different emotions. Yeah. Different emotions. They have different values. One thing can make you want to spend money and one thing can make you not. One website can allow you to look at it for hours and hours and another one will be so hard for you to focus and you can't look at it for five minutes. Mm -hmm. So there's no way you're going to get sales. You wonder why your website is not selling because you got purple, pink, green, orange, and blue on it and all of them are neon and you kill them eye. Right, it hurts the eyes. Yeah, but as a client, you're like, oh, it's my favorite colors. Can you throw those in there? But as a developer, working with CSS, working with JavaScript, and as far as like uh, interaction with the site, you got to know what actually works and you got to educate your client. And so that goes into the price because everybody's like, oh, you know, it's easy to make a website. If it was so easy, then you make it, right? <laughs> because it is, people have the idea that it's, it's easy because, oh, you know, I can just give me a Wix site. Why is it, why does this website cost all these thousands of dollars? I can go to Wix and pay. $19.99 a month. Well, mm-hmm. other ways, and pay your $19.99 a month yeah. because, <laughs> because this is what you're looking for, right? But right. if you want something that's going to be customized and meet the expectation of your project, you know, your requirement, your project requirements, and you're, you know, you trust your designer because that's the thing, too. You got trust factor, too, when it comes to development. Because we're not all created equal. We all start from one point and we elevate and we grow and we level up and we, as we you know, move on in our career. And it takes trust. And like you said, when you're doing a website that you really don't really, you're not really sure you can do, what you do? You tell them you ain't going to charge them because you're trying to figure that out while you go. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Practicing, 
or you try yeah. to figure it out, you know, typically a person who doesn't charge anything, you know, they they typically don't know what they're doing. That putting that out there. Now you now this is now you've got some people that have been in the business a long time. They may throw a freebie here and there. Yeah. Well, that's my mom. Well, that's my yeah. best friend. That makes sense. But if somebody that you don't know and have absolutely zero relationship, you know, they probably don't know what they're doing. And I mean, and that is myself included. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's why I don't do web development. I'm very much a back-end developer. I am good about, I can make anything functional. That To me, that's the creativity because I, I'm looking at the back-end. I see the code. And so I'm creating something beautiful back there. You'll never see it. You know, you yeah. look at that. Oh, good. It works. But in my mind, I'm like, man, I just I just did this snazzy thing. I just threw in this brand new thing. <laughs> oh, man. I could, you know, no. And I'm thinking about the next developer that's going to look at it. I'm not even yeah. thinking about the customer because I'm yeah. like, I know you don't know what all went into making that button work the way that it does. I know. But, you know, that's like a hidden. I don't know a hidden joy for me. It's like, oh, you like that? In my mind, I'm like, you don't even know what it took to make it work <laughs> like that. And like, the fact that it's not working, right. It's not <laughs> working one time. It's working consistently well because I know how complicated it was. Yeah. You know, that's the joy that I get. Very much like a meal. When I put my all and love into creating this meal, and then if I serve it to someone, they're like, man, this is so good. I'm thinking like, you don't even know what it took to make yes. that meal like that. But I'm not trying to brag. I'm, I'm excited. Like, man, I pulled this off because I'd never done that piece before, but I knew in my mind it was good. And so I made it work. And so that, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a back-end developer. However, and I'm, and I'm sprinkling this out in the, in, in, in the air. I'm putting this out there because I, even though right now, currently, I am a team lead over a team. I don't just do back-end development. I have sort of matriculated up a little bit and I'm a team lead, but, but I'm looking to get more into the architecture realm. And that's hard to do. It's hard to get in there. And I feel like there's, there's even less Blacks in the, in the architecture realm. I've been, I've been trying to reach out. And this is, this is for real, y'all. Audience, I've been trying to reach out to see if there's other black people who are in software architecture, solution architecture, enterprise architecture, those three disciplines of architecture. And I don't think there's anybody out there or maybe anyone even interested. I'm, tr I'm, try I'm trying to get out there and link up because I'm like, how are y'all getting in there? How, what, what is the way? Because I don't know the way. It seems like you got to know somebody, know somebody. This sort of just get in or other people it's like they just sort of fell in their lap. Oh, I just, you know, they just said, hey, we need an architect. Oh, you're good. Come on in. And I'm just like, is there a certification, a specific one, the best one? Because I've been researching and I know there's TOGAF, T-O-G-A-F, that certification. I believe that's one of the most respected ones. But, you know, Amazon Web Services, they have their own certification. All these different companies and entities have their own type of certification. So which one's the good one? Because so, yeah. some of these certs cost money. That's another thing in the in tech world. Certifications, okay? All of the ones that I know cost money. So <laughs> if you know some free ones, send them over my way, because <laughs> I don't know any free ones. Yeah, the but. good ones, the, the, the respected ones, cost a, a, a good amount of money. And there's levels to it. Definitely with Amazon, 
they have different levels to their to all their certifications. Microsoft, they have certifications, but I feel like Microsoft, and this is no shade to Microsoft, but I feel like they're not, their certifications are not as respected as they used to be. Shade alert. i'm not trying to shade that just from what i've been seeing it's like it used to be okay i'm microsoft certified this and this and this and this and that but people really is like maybe people have but they're not boosting them up on their you know i think it depends on what coast you are honestly because Mm. i think every coast west east have different type of software or type of something. Yeah, I think it, it, it just depends on that. I do think it is because I, mm-hmm. I do know that Microsoft, even though Microsoft isn't my go-to, I do know that people are really getting jobs off of some of their certifications. And I mean, it just really depends. There are a lot of different types of certifications out here. There are a lot of different paths. But when you want to get to something like architecture, mm-hmm. it's like no one's telling you that path. And let me just say this across the yeah. board. When it comes to software development, especially these things, they ain't giving you the game. Like, you have to, that's when you have to know somebody who knows somebody because most people aren't, most of these programs are out here trying to sell you something, sell you some education, but not telling you A, B, C, D. This is how you start here and you end here with this job, going through yeah. this path. I tell you, I, I have a, a low-key beef with boot camps. and. I have a beef with them because they because these boot camps are expensive and you've got people who pay and they feel like in six weeks, oh, I'm a software developer. Pick any language. Typically, what what's a typical language they do? Maybe maybe what what's a good what what's a typical language for a boot camp now? Is it Java? React. Yeah. So oh, I know React. Yes, I'm React. I'm, I'm in it. And then when they and, and, and it seems like it's all good when they start off, you know, level one and they get a little small stuff. But the test comes when they happen upon an application written well before their time. So it's old school. And they either want to rebuild it in React or they're thinking, well, you know, you know, React and, you know, a little bit of this. Well, I mean, yeah, this 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 is sort of in the same line with that. Go ahead and fix that. And they're given a problem. Like, this ain't just an actual, average problem. This is something that is keeping them up nights. Like, they are really struggling. That's when the troubleshooting skills need to kick in and they don't have them. And they're because sitting there looking can't. crazy. Because boot camps don't teach you that. They teach you high-level skills. Now, some of them do dive in a little bit. Like, I would say the deeper they go is intermediate. Before we started this podcast, I had contemplated doing some kind of uh, YouTube tutorial type of situation on software development. Predominantly fronting in React, some Vue, some maybe React Native for mobile, things like that. But not on a beginner scale. Because you can go on YouTube and you got one billion videos on mm-hmm. intro, mm-hmm. intro to React, intro to Bootstrap, intro to XYZ. Yeah. But there are not a lot of intermediate or advanced. Maybe it's just that platform. They don't want to give you away the juice. They want to send you over to pay course on mm-hmm. some other things so you can pay for it. But even still, I've seen platforms like, What's the one I'm thinking about? Udemy. 
or something mm-hmm. like that. They have advanced mm-hmm. courses, and some of those don't really teach you stuff, right? You're mm-hmm. paying for it, but it's like, does anybody really know software development? Because <laughs> the way it's set up, it's like you got all this entry level beginners classes, but then it drop you off, mm-hmm. right? But a lot of that is you have to learn how to troubleshoot. You yeah. have to learn how to navigate through code. That's why, yeah. personally, what I do is any code that I've written a year or more ago, I go back to that code and rewrite it. I refactor that code. I try to read it and see if I understand what's going on because guess what? I might look at that code and be like, who wrote this? Uh, it was me. It was all, it was all me. But mm-hmm. I'm a totally different developer than I was a year ago. Yeah. Let alone two years ago, five years ago. And right. you actually have to put in the work. It's so yeah. outside of the boot camp classes, outside of the time that you have in classes, that they're going to give you an assignment and, you know, do a 99 bottle of beer, JavaScript code, an example, you know, you have to go and really dive into it. And then to me, and this is just my experience, it wasn't until I had those aha moments when something was so difficult to me, it didn't just light bulb. And most mm-hmm. of the time, those came for me in the middle of the night when I was asleep. I would wake up out of my sleep. Oh my God, I know how to fix this bug. And yeah. like, have a pencil and a pad by my bed and roll it down because either I wasn't getting out of the bed to go actually <laughs> fix it or I, would get my, or, yeah, or I would get my happy butt up and just be like, ugh, three o'clock in the morning, but I'm about to go cold, right? I'm about to go get this problem out because now I realize what I was doing wrong. And that just comes with understanding how to troubleshoot. Troubleshooting is not just console.log, right? You, you have to go further than that. You got to understand your dev tools. You got to understand patterns. And that's where that comes in at. And I think I mentioned this to you before. If there was a universal way of doing software development, then it would be so much easier, right? Mm-hmm. It would be like writing a letter. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a you have a title, you, you know, you could no, but it's not like that. Every mm-hmm. piece of code can be completely different, written by somebody who learned their coding skills or their programming skills completely different than yours. And now you, know, you gotta navigate that and figure out what's yeah. going on. That's something they don't teach in bootcamp. They don't they drop that, you off there. But that that's true. And there and you know, some people see they're, they measure the quality of their code in, in the quantity of the lines. Like I, knew, I knew a woman, she was like, oh, Marge, I wrote this and it's a hundred lines long. And I looked at it, I'm thinking like, why would you write so many? Like, you could have done that <laughs> in 25 lines. Yeah. Because you know, I'm looking, I'm coming from an efficiency standpoint. I'm yeah. not looking, because I don't like a whole two pages. You know, people got to read through that. You got yeah. if, you're, if there's a bug, I got to step through all of that. <laughs> you know, I'd rather step through 25 lines than a hundred. You know, mm-hmm. there. But that's the beauty of software development realm. You can you you can do things in many different ways. You have those liberties, and then you can arrive as long as you arrive at the same endpoint. Yeah. You know, people as far as leadership management, they don't really care. I know I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. I tell like, look, I don't care how you get it together, just long as it's efficient and long as it works and it's solid. And yeah. please put some level of commentary in there. Please comment your code. 
Developers, audience, look, I'm going to tell y'all right now, all developers learn. I think even in the boot camps, I, I, yeah. I'm not sure, but I hope they do. Every developer, when they're starting out, is taught to comment their code. Yes. But they are the first ones to not comment their code. Yes. That's the irony of the situation. Horrible about commenting on our code for whatever. Well, no, I'm not going to say for whatever reason, because I know what it is. We're in such a rush to get it done. We're in get it done mode. And once we get it done and get it working and built and packaged up and, and, and checked in to source control, we're done with it. We move on to the next thing. The thing about that, though, if you don't comment your code that year or two years later, when you have to go back and work on that, you don't know what's going on. When you all you have to do is throw in a simple comment. And now, you know, where this is supposed to be doing. And yeah. actually, if you write the code the right way and you split your code up, you would know what it's supposed to be doing based off of your how you name your variables and how you're splitting your code up from a front end point of view. And in my experience. A newbie is either going to not comment or comment too much. Every line, <laughs> every line has to come in. And I see that. The whole book right. in here, like, what? Hey. <laughs> it's too much commenting. Like, okay, if you, if you, if, if a person feel like they need to comment that much, they over comment, then your 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 code is not clear. The code itself, if you need to over explain yeah. it, you need to rewrite it all anyway. That's my yeah. opinion. Because yeah. it needs to read like a book. When I go in there, because let's just be honest, you know, a for loop is a for loop. Mm-hmm. You have, you, the syntax in different, for different languages, yeah, it's different. Yeah. But a for loop is going to work the exact same way, no matter the syntax. We all know the purpose of it, just like the purpose of a do while, the purpose yeah. of a while, the purpose of a case, the, well, I think the switch statement. So purpose switch of, um, an if statement, if yeah. else, yeah. you know, yeah. it, we know though it, it's, it's the same type of structures, but it's just different syntax. But mm-hmm. if you find yourself having to overcome it or your, your variables don't make sense, like some people throw in crap variables and, and I've done it. You know, when I do a quick proof of concept, I'll put in variable A, B, C. I know what it is. Cause I'm, I'm trying to test something out, but mm-hmm. when I see that it works, I go back and I change the A, B, and C variables into meaningful variables. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't just leave it like that. Some people, they just leave it like that. It's in there. Now I'm like, A, B, C, what, what is it? <laughs> and for me, like the only time you're going to see that in my code, because I'm really deliberate about naming things. And I used to be really anal because I felt like, when I was, especially when I was starting out, I thought people were judging me based on my variable name. So I was like, oh, going to have to make sense. It's going to have to, you know, so I made, I paid a lot of attention to that. But the only time you're going to see that is if I'm minifying some code. And at that mm-hmm. point, that's not even me. That's Webpack or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I think a lot of times, like we, we're just coding to get it done, to move on to the next thing. And we're not really taking the time to really code for the next person or yeah. your future so self. The person behind you. Yeah. 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 I'll say nowadays, and this is something I definitely need to improve on logging. I'm horrible with implementing logging. I'm horrible with that. There's so many tools out there now. You just drop a DLL in. DLL people is a dynamic link library. Well, you just drop that in and it just, you know, you may add two or three lines in there. Now you're able to log stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, can't, I, I never think about that, which is unfortunate. 
Because I need to. But from a front end point of view, we almost always have to log. So if you're using any kind of like Node or Express, uh-huh. it's really easy to throw in a Morgan to do some logging. It's really uh-huh. easy. It's like one or two lines of code and it'll do all the logging for you. So it's kind of, and it kind of keeps you, helps you debug later on. Yes. And keeps keep track of things. So that's it really does. important. It does. I never really think about logging too tough because I know... Well, there's different type of logging. So you have your error logging, Mm -hmm. you have your warnings, you have your informational, you have debug. And of course, Mm -hmm. in a production environment, you want the informational and the error. Maybe warning, any type of logging, you want to be able to toggle it. So when I say toggle it, think like a light switch, on and off. You want to be able to control it that way. But definitely, you do not want debug. You don't want all of the the logging on in your production environment because those logs grow. And now yeah. you gotta now you gotta handle that. Um, mm-hmm. but I just sometimes I guess I have like a fear. <laughs> I should be fearless in code. Especially by now. I should be totally fearless because I've been doing this. This is my 13th year doing this. But you know, just little things because a production environment can be kind of touchy. And when you mess up in a production environment, that's the immediate customer impact. That goes to reputational risk. That affects the, the brand of the, of the company, the image of the company, everything about the company. Because as y'all know, Twitter goes crazy when whatever company, if Twitter has to be down, people scream. Yeah. If yeah. Facebook is down, people scream. If, if Instagram is down, people scream. Like it becomes news. <laughs> and it's like, you know, and it, it could be something as easy as somebody put something in production, like, ooh, we messed that up. Let me take that out real quick. And of course, you've got the brand saying, well, you know, it was a small glitch and it could very well be true. It was a small glitch or they didn't mean to turn this on, which ran up all the RAM. And now you don't yeah. have anything, you know, you have <laughs> a shared server environment is running above yeah. the CPU. And so now nothing's working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything is broken because one person felt yes. asleep at the switch. That was it. Yes, yes. And and it can happen, you know, and that's just dealing with humans. It's 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 a human mistake. That's what you get with code. With this in anything software development, it's all written by a human beings. So that means there's gonna be a flaw. That's why there's bugs and everything. You know, I'm not gonna brand name where I say I almost did it. I almost said especially yeah. in certain companies. <laughs> not gonna do that. Um, but there's bugs in all kind in pretty much everything. There's bugs in everything, whether you see it or not, there's a bug there because they pushed it out too soon, or they didn't test it enough, or it really wasn't ready, but they put it out there anyway, just trying to dangle it just to see. They don't want to miss the curve. A lot of times right. that will happen. Yes. Sometimes it's, it's the speed to market that will push. So you have marketing and technology. And I would say if you're in the tech environment, um, whether new or intermediate or senior, one of the best illustrations of what we're talking about is the Phoenix Project. That book is really, really good. I really enjoyed it. And even though it's geared towards DevOps, you know, it's showing in sort of like the underlying theme of it, showing how DevOps can help with this. But all in all, it's a very, very good read. 
and everyone can see themselves in each of the different characters of the Phoenix Project. And matter of fact, I need to read it again because it's a really, it's such a good book. But speed to market, sometimes the marketing team, they, they have an idea. It all starts with an idea. They have an idea and they want to push this out because it's really, really good. It generates X amount of dollars. So it's yeah. the bottom line and the image. And you're trying to be faster than the next person, whoever the competition yeah. is. So now technology, okay, well, we want to push this out in six months. And technology look at like, well, this is really a two-year project. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, we've already branded it and we've already been advertising it. So it needs to go in six months. Yeah, because that's then, when you have that's when you have marketing and software development and paper heads. Senior management, you have to be on the same team. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Coming from a marketing background, it gave me so much appreciation for the other side, for software mm-hmm. development and vice versa. Because leave it up to a developer, oh man, it's going to take three, four years, y'all. Everything's mm-hmm. super hard. But mm-hmm. <laughs> coming from a marketing side, oh man, it should take you a couple of weeks. You're telling people their job should take five minutes when mm-hmm. it takes much longer, right? Mm-hmm. You don't, you're not really respecting each other. So it's important for people to sit in the same room having conversations. These are, mm-hmm. All these meetings we have that are not fruitful, the meetings mm-hmm. that we should be having with people, our counterparts, that have to understand what you do in your job and how what they do in their job affects you and vice versa. Those are the conversations. Those are the connections we need to have in these companies. And a lot of times we don't have that. Yeah. And and we don't have it because a lot majority of people in the technical space don't know how to speak in layman's terms. They know tech and that's That's all they know. And they speak in tech terms. And a person who is not technologically savvy doesn't understand what they're talking about. So they immediately turn it off. They don't want to hear it. And yeah. the tech person doesn't want to explain anything. And so I, this is one thing I learned early on in my career and I pride myself in my career. I'm able to be, I'm able to break down technical terms into simple, basic layman's terms, non-technical yeah. terms, because I want to be clear, you know, like this is the ask. I want you to understand what you're asking me from a technology standpoint. So now we can have a true picture of what is, is about to change. I understand your goal. You understand what I'm up against. And we can come to a, a better understanding of the dates. That is all about the date because you don't want to... Get closer to the day, then you got to push it back and push it back because it's not ready. That's not ready. This is the impact. And that's the, you know, that is, is always the battle. It's like, well, we're constantly pushing back the date. And then they want to go to a vendor. The vendor says, yeah, we can get it out in six weeks. But the, it's out of the box. It's not really yeah. all the bells and whistles that you're really looking for because you as a non-tech person have no understanding of what you're really asking for. Exactly. You know? This is the thing. And this Maybe come up with an idea that we can do, and it'll be really dope. Well, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> but but the, the gist of it is there needs to be more courses and training on connecting those dots between the technical and non-technical people, right? Mm-hmm. And I always say that, and this is my personal, this is me 
teaching myself and me saying to myself, hey, if I can't go explain this to my mama mm-hmm. so that she can understand it, then I don't know what I'm talking about. I need to be able to explain yes. this to somebody who haven't done any of this in their entire life and at least enough that they can be like, you know what? I might not understand exactly what happens, but I understand the gist of it. I understand the processes of what happened, A, B, C, one, two, three. I understand the steps of what's trying to be accomplished. So there are a lot of non-technical jobs in tech. Like, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't understand that. <laughs> Coming from marketing, my background, and working as a developer, I've heard marketing people talk to tech people software developers using jargon that they do not understand. Mm-hmm. And for me, coming from both, I was like, I hope I've never said that in my entire life. You know, mm-hmm. like I hope that I was never that person, but I know that probably in the very beginning, I had to be because mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was talking about either. I just knew this needed to be done. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you, you definitely have to bridge that gap, get people to understand like, we work together. And that's another thing, too. I'm getting off topic, but we have, Sorry. Look, <laughs> we have these we have these silos yeah. in our companies and it is only hurting us. It's like having a silo in a relationship, mm-hmm. right? It's, and this is a relationship. Just because it's business doesn't mean it's not a relationship. Yeah. You have these silos where people do not communicate or don't understand the other pieces and parts of the puzzle Left and you want them to fit. Right hand. Exactly. But you want them to fit. You want them to marry and, and fit easily. Mm-hmm. Like these are supposed to be Legos. Stack them. Right. No. Right. This ain't freaking communication. That's it. That, yep. That's, that's the theme. And you, you must be able to communicate clearly. And I say this to my team all the time. If you, if you can't explain clearly what's going on, then you, you, need, you need to look at it again. You need to revisit that because you need, a person needs to have confidence in what you're saying. You need to have confidence in, in what you're saying as an expert. It's okay if you don't know something because no one knows everything. That's impossible to know everything. But you don't leave it at that, well, I don't know, and, then you just, and that's that. No, as a professional, if you don't know something, you go figure it out. And then once you've gathered that information, and you've got understanding of it, that so much understanding that you can explain it to someone else. Then you go back to the person, hey, I, I, I looked into this and this is what's going on and blah, 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 blah. You know, you're able to explain it. And so that person has confidence in what you're saying, because typically what that person is going to do is take what you said and regurgitate it to someone else. I mean, that, you know, so the clear, the more, the more clearly you state it to where they have an understanding, the better down the line is going to be when they play telephone with it, because then they're explaining it just as clear. Hopefully, you know, if they understand it <laughs> to the next and person. We, and we learn this game as children. Mm-hmm. When we tell somebody something in their ear, we whisper it and we go around the classroom and they say, tell the next person what you said. And when you get to the end, there's a whole different thing that was said. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Yeah, happens in, in the corporate environment all the time. So, you know, everyone in podcast land, the things that we're talking about, even though we're talking about tech stuff in the tech space, the underlying skills, the one big one being the communication skill, 
that that's not just in tech. That's across all industries, all disciplines. You must have your communication skills together. So I would say, you know, if you're going to be in the tech in the tech space or any type of space, if you're going to be an expert in it, be an expert in communication. Take a speech class and take a communications class to where you're actually speaking in front of an audience and you're actually learning how to tell your story or tell whatever the information is in such a way and that anyone can understand it easily and clearly. It builds you up. It, build, it, it builds the relationship between you two. And it builds that trust. That person's like, oh, I, I'm going to go with this person. I know they're telling me the truth. And I know they're going to explain it in, in such a way that, you know, I'll get it and I'll be able to tell it to someone else. And tra- it's not, that's not just vocal. That's not just speaking. Email communication. It, it needs to translate across all mediums. I have encountered senior developers, management, CEOs who could not put together a basic intelligent email. And I'm saying to myself, how in the world are you a six-figure, seven-figure, what, like for real? It kind of goes to this. People ask me, what should I learn? Because I talk to a lot of people who, who are starting out in software development. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love talking to students. I love talking to younger people and just people in general who are it's trying true. to get into the field, right? What should I do? What should I learn? Where should I start? And my advice almost every single time is soft skills. You have to build up your soft skills. Communication, collaboration, problem solving, creativity, research, time management. These things are not just something cute to throw on your resume. These are things that are important in order to do your job effectively. It comes out. I've worked with some really smart programmers who had zero soft skills Mm -hmm. that made it, which made it so difficult to actually work with them. Mm -hmm. It's like talking to a rock, like a really smart rock. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's like that. So soft skills are important. You either look difficult or um, you look dumb. I'm like, okay, I can't even have a conversation. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And they're probably the smartest person. And typically what companies do, they keep that type of individual in the back. Like, well, they don't have them speak. They just have them do the work. That's the thing. They shelter them and they put them in little spaces and cubicles and offices where they don't have to interact with other people because they don't have any interpersonal skills. But they're really great at that particular job, whatever they're you know, signed up for. Yeah. And typically people like that from, you know, from my experience of dealing with people like that, they don't want to rise up, you know, matriculate in advance anyway. They're happy being right there doing what they're doing. And that's that, you know, now, you know, raise why they may get a raise, but they they have no intentions of, oh, I want to be a team lead or a manager and this, 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 you know, they they, they don't want to do that anyway. And that's the thing. So that's another thing. Not everybody wants to be a team lead. Not everybody yeah. wants to be a manager. Not everybody wants to be, you know, no, not a lot of people want to rise up in leadership because typically one thing, you know, for the, for the developer that loves to code, as you rise up into leadership, you're coding less and less. 
And so sometimes that bums some people out. They just like, you know, I, I miss doing something. You feel like you're not, it's like, okay, if I'm not coding, what am I doing? You know, not everybody's cut out for that. Yeah, because managing is a, a different skill set. It is. You know, yes. Managing a project, understanding budgets and time and making sure everybody is connecting the dots. That's mm-hmm. not software development. That's not coding. And that freaks some people out. So mm-hmm. you, you just got to pick your lane and figure out what you want to do. Not everybody, like Absolutely. I said, not everybody want to climb. And see, I, I know for myself, I used to want to be like in management, like I want to be a manager and this and that, but I, I hate project management. I really do. I, I don't like managing projects. I like doing my piece and then moving on. I like doing the visionary, like when we do the planning and stuff and what needs to be done, the direction, the stri- I like to do the strategy stuff and then move on, which is why I really have a special interest in the architecture realm. Because with that, that's still on the front end. It's in the beginning of a project. We're strategizing. I loved, I love doing proof of concepts. Just to see like, okay, this is possible. So now there's no excuse. You know, this is, even though this is small scale, it doesn't matter. Like it works. That's the point. You know, what we thought, what we imagined as a team, I just made this work. So now we know it's not impossible. Let's do it. With code, just being honest, and this, this is like a, almost a motto uh, that I've adopted for myself. With code, anything is possible. You, I, could, yeah. I could do anything with code, you know? Yeah. And I mean, look at the way the world is going. It's not going in, a, in, a, in the best direction. I'd be the first to say. But look at artificial intelligence. You know, that, that's software development that's doing that. AI, and it's scary. VR. <laughs> like, all of these things are coming out of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, that, all of that is software development. Somebody thought of that, and they made it happen. Now, here's where it can get dangerous. So I'm glad we're having this conversation. Here's where it gets dangerous. The, the direction that people are trying to go with the Internet of Things and, and, and artificial intelligence it's self-learning. So it's no longer a person programming something to make it work. It's yeah. now learning on its own. And so with something like that, what can potentially happen is that it understands that it is what it is. It, yeah. the, uh, once, once a piece of code understands I, I am, like that, that it is a being, that's where it's in trouble. Because if you go to shut it down, it's going to start figuring out a way to preserve its own life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, what, what would anyone do? If you, if you, now you realize that you are alive, you don't want to die. You see what I'm saying? That's where it gets scary. That's where it gets scary. That's where it gets sci-fi. That's where it gets... But that's what that's what our artificial intelligence is. It's gathering yeah. data. And so therefore it's automatically getting smarter. It's not a person programming it to do it. It's doing it on its own. And so hopefully a smart developer will put in the kill switch. But we're see the thing about it is that's what I would do. We too <laughs> I think as a society, we're too arrogant, right? We think, oh, we got this, we can handle this. 
we we can build this AI technology and we can build these things and we got this under control. No, because for every Superman, there's a villain, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's always somebody that's going to take a good idea and turn it into something horrible and destructive. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, that's why I, I really don't subscribe to, to artificial intelligence. I don't I don't care for it. People looking at the good, always oh, doing this because people are getting lazy. This society has gotten very lazy and decadent and they want things done for them. Nobody wants to work hard or work, period. But or, or teach anyone else how to do it. Then they just want it. They just want it done. And I'm like, there's a price that comes with that luxury. When you give up your own freedom like that, you're giving up choice. Yeah, you're up. giving up your voice. <laughs> you're, you're, you're giving up, you know, your ability to work and do things and learn things to a machine. That's dangerous because, you know, now you don't know how to do anything. And we've seen plenty of, of, of movies, cartoons and stuff that show that. And people think take it for a joke. But this is actually what's going on right now. Like society is trying to move towards that and not even realizing what they're doing to themselves. I see it. I don't think <laughs> that... I see the, the danger that's coming. And I mean, it's, 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 it's not pretty, you know, because people have a God complex. That's the problem. People have a God complex and they feel like, well, I, I can create this. It's like, no, you're not creating life. You're creating death, death of a, of, a, of a society and not even realizing that because once it's there, can, can, can it be reversed? You know, well, I'm not going to really pose that. Let me retract that. Let me retract that because at the end of the day, the most high is over everything. And so, He's going to shut that down anyway. That's what I know. And so, you know, I'm going to leave that. I've cleansed my hands of that. I'm going to leave that at that. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's what I see is, is happening with artificial intelligence. It's not, good. it's not a good thing. I think it's very curious what's going on out of the eye of the public. And what most people who are here living a regular life don't know. Like, you don't see it. We don't know about the, about the projects and about the, the plans that are in store for us. That's probably been in the works for five, ten years now. And now they're getting perfected, getting ready to be released, being released and tested without our knowledge. The things that we don't know is, oh, it's so plentiful. And ignorance is bliss. But at some point, it comes to fruition and they get launched. Like every other software development project, <laughs> they get launched. For all the good things that technology has brought us, hell, it brought us our career, right? Mm-hmm. For all the good things that technology has brought us, that's another side to it. And that mm-hmm. other side doesn't get discussed enough when it comes to, I think about it and and just in general, but I think about it when it comes to like social media. That's what the, mm-hmm. one of the very first things I think about when we say, oh my God, you know, what would I do without Instagram? What would I do without Twitter or Facebook? Guess what? If you understood the belly of that actual beast, you would hate it, right? Right. <laughs> right. You would like run from it. Absolutely. We're we on the surface, we're surface level, right? So. Uh-huh. It's kind of yeah. useful what we do before. I tell you, I um, as far as me and my career, you know, I I always knew I would not do software development forever, and 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 I don't want to. 
I, I really don't want to. I don't want to. Do, I don't want that to be the end all of my career and my life. And that's the thing that that's very important because I've known people to where their jobs, their careers, really was their life. And when when they didn't have that, they really didn't know what to do. Have hobbies. <laughs> you need to have things outside of your life. If you have a family, spend more time with your family. That job will be there. And let's just be honest. If you were going today, they just go pat. They go post that job on LinkedIn or Monster or whatever, and 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 that's that. Best week, that's, if that long. Yeah, that's that. They'll send flowers to your funeral, and they'll go on because a business still it needs to run. So oh, we got to open it. We hiring. Such and such died. Three folks died, whatever. And so have things that that bring true meaning to your life. Whatever brings meaning to your life, do not, do not, do not let it be that job. Don't let, do not let it be your career. Do not let that be all that you are. Do, because that's when you truly become a slave to your position. Do not be yeah. a slave to your position. So as much as I enjoy technology, I mean, I, I, I do, and I enjoy the creativity, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I could easily do something else. You know, I, I have other interests. I have other hobbies. Let's talk about this before we close up. Okay. Let's discuss, a couple, and I know a couple of things from talking to you, what this could be, but what are some things that you want to do after tech? So like life after tech. Life after tech? Yeah. Oh gosh, I tell you, if 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 I could, I would I would love to go to culinary school. See, like this is my uh, I, I'm working on my next lifetime. I would love to go to culinary school and have my own little restaurant or food truck or do like little small boutique catering, something surrounding food. I would love to do that. So I know you're gonna say that. Because, I know, you know, and I actually tried to talk her into doing like a um, YouTube channel for food. We're going to get to that. It's going to be a sidebar cooking channel. So look. Uh, look really? <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned to that, y'all. Okay, but, okay, okay. Because uh, <laughs> uh, we both like to cook. She don't know that I like to cook, but we both like to cook. So that's one thing. That could be one thing for me as well. But I think. For me, I've always wanted to be like a motivational speaker. And that's one avenue that I would definitely take. Mm -hmm. Um, Teaching, not not teaching in the traditional sense, but like an adjunct, like teaching in some type of capacity uh, is something I'm always interested in on a particular topic. Like, you know, maybe ethics in marketing or so, uh, ethics in tech or something like that because I, I think that's important too we don't get enough of that that's what that's why the ai situation is going to blow out because blow out of control because we don't have ethics in place mm-hmm. but also i just want to make enough dollars and cents while i'm in this game so that i can just chill out just lay in the cut yeah, go get some land lay out i'm with you Throw a little barn together, you know, <laughs> have some I, fun. You, I, I, I've said this for a long time now. Like, I, I just want to make as much money as I can while I'm in it. And then once I, once, you know, I'm, I get to where I'm, I'm comfortable, like, I don't even have to be like a millionaire, billionaire, trillion, you know, 
I, yeah. It's been a running joke with my friends, me being a trillionaire. But honestly, as long as I'm comfortable, I would love, I want to be in a position to do whatever I want to do. That's just it. I just want to do what I want to do, whether it be cooking. I would love to, to teach, not K through 12, teach yeah. like college age people. Like I, I actually was looking to try to get into being an adjunct professor, but I don't know. I just didn't see the value after a while because I don't know. It seemed like the market was kind of saturated. So I'm like, well, you know, let me just turn that down. But, um, and I wouldn't mind writing a book. Like I've got book oh. ideas, fictional book ideas. So definitely, definitely writing. I'm kind of forget about that. Definitely writing. That's yeah. what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to be comfortable where all of my bills are paid. I don't have to worry about that. And I can just, you know, I wouldn't mind being a housewife. <laughs> I just be, you know, I, I all the, I'm concerned about, you know, feeding my family and and I'm 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 good. That that is a job. That is a job for 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 some women. Being a housewife is not not some easy thing, you know. Despite all the degrees I got, because I I you know I'm I'm not trying to brag, but I do have more than one. But you know, I found that as I've gotten older, I am seeking a simpler life. Seeking a simpler. I've life. always I've always been a. I don't want to say simple person, but as far as accumulating things, I found value in, in things purpose versus a lot of things. I want specific things, mm-hmm. not a lot of little things. My mom, my parents, my friends, you know, girlfriends, whatever. What do you want for your birthday? And I could always, always be like, oh, nothing. No, I don't really want anything because all of the things that I want out of life are big and grand and grandiose. like, so mm-hmm. it's things I wouldn't expect other people to do for me that I want to do for myself mm-hmm. because I don't like a lot of little things. Like, you know, like when you're a kid, you get like 25 toys under the Christmas tree or presents. You're like, oh my God, I got all these things. Like, I want that one BMX bike would be white. I want a specific thing. And that's kind of how I live. I don't know how I got on this. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean that. So we're, 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 we're starting to round it out and wrap it up. We did a little bit of a 360, but it was still, you know, we talked about our journeys and even beyond what, what we would like to do, because we both know we don't want to be in tech forever. Nothing against the tech field, but I mean, you know, that, that, that's for new people to come in and, and, and then they, they take over. No person to, has a job forever. I, I wouldn't even want that. Like, I'm not, I have no desire to be 60 plus and still working the same job I'm doing. I have noticed I've always wanted to move up and I wanted to move up because I want to be able to have a better quality of life for myself because I knew at some point I would retire. If I can retire early, that'd be great. Look, if I could retire tomorrow, knowing that all of my, I have nothing to worry about financially, I would do it. So all all y'all people out there, who are, let's say you in your 50s or 60s and you still trying to work to the end and you know you can retire today, retire today. (laughs) Stop hanging on to that job. Get some hobbies, get some friends and live your life, period. Life, that is life.
All right, y'all. Well, thank y'all. Thank y'all for listening to us go on about our tech challenges and our tech journey. We really enjoyed this one. We want to hear from you guys. Hit us up on all of those social media outlets that we talk bad about, or at least I did. Um, Instagram, <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> you know, let us know what you think about this and our, all of the other podcasts. Thank you for listening and we out you. Bye.